and a happy Monday, November 7th to everyone. Uh, since the last time we spoke to you, there's, uh, there's now a World Series champion in the Astros. So that's this chapter of baseball is, uh, is done. The Mets quickly retain their closer five years, $102 million for Edwin Diaz. So they hit the ground running there. We'll get to talk about what other moves they may or may not make as well as the Yankees. But really the story today is, oh my goodness, the New York Jets. They beat the Buffalo Bills 20 to 17 at home, which is nice because that's something they've struggled with. But ugh, I mean, they, they're almost two touchdown dogs and they win. And let me pose this question to you, Sam. And I, I, I dare you to challenge me on it. This is the biggest Jet win since that playoff win in Foxborough back in 2010. I, I agree. And is it, is it something that we're here on November, what's today, November 7th, and the Jets have the same amount of wins as the Bills? Yeah. Just, think, uh, just don't think about anything else other than that. They have the same amount of wins as the Buffalo Bills, who just one week ago, and this is how crazy the NFL is this year, one week ago, people were saying, there's no who's going to beat this team. Yeah. Even people were putting them above the Eagles, who are undefeated. Yeah, and, and not only in terms of the Bills, just a week ago, for this Jet team, the sky was falling. The line was like 11 and a half, and they won. Yeah. It's, yep. it is absolutely, it's, it's, if you're a Jeff fan, you're right. There's just no better feeling than it is today. And obviously if you're a Jeff fan, the wins have come few and far between in the past, you know, decade or so. But this year, I mean, they've got six of them <laughs> and now they're going to the bye, which you get two weeks to prepare for the Patriots again in Foxborough. And Hey, look, you can disagree with me, but you know, what's a bigger win than this going into Foxborough and beating the Patriots. Yeah, and that's going to be a huge retribution kind of game, but I don't even want to look that far ahead. I mean, we have two weeks to to just soak in this one and just enjoy this one. Soak in it. Word to Zach Wilson. Yeah, and well, but, being, oh my being goodness. that you brought and, that up, how do you think, just from a player psych point of view, how do you feel like, do you feel that players like understand that in the back of their mind and kind of put more emphasis on the game before the bye? Or even a coaching staff? Like, uh, well, if I, we win I this, think we have so. two weeks to celebrate. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, it, to lose two in a row and be five and four and then have to sit in that for two weeks is just, it, it's night and day compared to being six and three, beating, you know, what, what most would consider the best team in football. It was kind of like everyone's Super Bowl pick. Yeah. And there's, there's such a big difference between five and four and six and three. Huge. And, so, and we'll get to Zach Wilson, who, who played really well. But, I mean, aside from that, the Jets did what we've been asking them to do and what they failed to do last week, which is just stick to your game plan, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, just, you know, here's James Robinson for 14. Here's Michael Carter for six. Here's Robinson for nine. Here's Carter again for seven. It was just they just kept moving the chains that way. And that's something they kind of refused to to stick with against New England. And if you we'll get into this game. And the first part I want to start is, how did you feel yesterday when the for the kickoff, He, I think he stepped on the tee? <laughs> uh, I almost shot it off. I, I, right there, I was like, all right, well, I mean, well, that's that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, it was just such a jet beginning to a game to give Josh Allen the ball at like his own 45 or whatever it was. Yeah, and so I thought, honestly, that I was not, I, I wasn't just, I was obviously watching the game, but I wasn't like tuned in just yet. You know, the kickoff is happening. We're still sitting down, doing whatever. 
And I thought they went for an onside kick, and I was like, oh, I did too. my God. No yep, way I did too. No way they did that. Like, that's just such a weak – that would be such a weak move. And then I, I realized, like, oh, you know, it, it wasn't – it actually was just a total mistake. And then the Bills drive down the field. It looks like it's going to be 7 nothing before the Jets' offense can even breathe. And they throw – Josh Allen throws – Probably the worst pass of his career. Yeah, it looked like a, like a Zach Wilson pick from last week. That's what so, it, like immediately. So, that's yes. when I was like, it's so crazy that the table kind of flipped there because it. That's literally how Zach Wilson looked last week—a throw like that, and it yep. was so bad. If you, if for whatever reason you're listening and you didn't see this throw, it was so bad to the point where I was getting TikToks last night saying this game was rigged, and a lot of the highlights <laughs> were on that throw because it was yep. just too. It was just unbelievably bad, but. They get the stop there, and then I believe they get a. Do they get a field goal there? They go up three nothing. The Jets on their first drive. The Jets. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think they they open up three nothing uh, when they get the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, no, I'm sorry. The they the Bills scored first. They the Jets got stopped on that one on the the next possession. They was it was interception stop. Josh Allen ran it in for that one yard touchdown, and then right. the Jets kicked the field goal to end the first quarter. Right. 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 Um, yep. So, look, in the beginning, and I thought, just looking at the first quarter, I thought the Jets came out and they got a little, it was almost like they acknowledged that they need to run the ball more, but still wanted to throw, I felt. Because there were some throws where, I mean, even specifically, there was like a third and seven where they threw Denzel Mims on like a fly route, and Zach Wilson made a really nice throw, but it would have had to be like a perfect throw to do anything. And I just thought it was a really like strange play call to Mims. Like it's one thing if it was Garrett Wilson who had an amazing game uh, and is just, I think he leads all rookies in receptions and receiving yards. Um, so he, the Jets have two potential rookie years. We say this every week and it becomes increasingly more likely, I think every single week. Yeah. And I mean, the, the turnaround in the NFL is so bizarre because last year the Jets had in almost every category, the worst defense in football. And now I think you kind of have, especially after this game against the NFL's number one offense, you'd have to call the Jets a top five defense right now. Uh, and the secondary last year was horrendous, horrendous. And now, I mean, oh, Sauce Gardner to be this, I'll say it, elite already. And he carries himself like a veteran. He's just, he's unbelievable. You know, Stefan Diggs didn't have a catch in the second yep, half. I was just going to say that. Did not have a And he was like... The most amazing part about this Sauce Gardner game for me was, you know how like to open the game, Stefan Diggs kind of like beats him on a cross and just like embarrasses Sauce. They it's tried like to it, make a statement with that. Yeah, and it's like it never happened. Yeah, like, and, so it, Sauce did not let that get to his psyche whatsoever. It, it that was that is such a like something that's very you can't put a stat to it. Uh, I guess you, you could say Diggs didn't have a catch in the second half, but since that play, it was almost like, all right. You know, I, I'm. I just saw what he his. I just saw his best. Like you know, in baseball, like you sit there, you're waiting for a strike. Sauce Gardner took a strike there. He took a strike and said, "All right, I'm now. I'm ready for your next best pitch." Yeah. And the, his next best pitch, Sauce Gardner hit 500 feet the entire game. Um. So I again, the defense. I agree with you. Absolutely elite. Uh. I think honestly, if you want to look at the Jets and the Salah hire, he was a defensive minded head coach. So am I stunned that this defense is. I, I was I thought the Jets defense would be good going to the air. I was pretty high on them. Sure, but but, but I mean to, to yeah to go from from dead last to probably top five or four is astounding. Now let's say the Jets even get 
and we we go on every week. It's like, oh, well, what, what are the Jets going to finish this year? What's the record going to be? But like, let's just say the Jets get into the playoffs, right? And even if they get bounced in the first round or whatever, like a moral kind of season, yeah, you got to give some like Salah might get some coach of the year votes. Yeah, you would think so, especially with all the noise that he made before the season that we didn't like, but it's paying off. I loved the post game, just him saying. You know, I, I know a lot of you guys. I know everyone's going to be surprised. No one in this locker room is surprised that we pulled that game out. Yeah, that's that's what. You, honestly, I didn't hear. I didn't hear any of the post game. I I just moved on to the four o'clock games. To be quite honest, but I I love hearing stuff like that from from players, from coaches, and it's like it's almost like you can be. There's definitely teams in the NFL that when they win, they make it known that they win. And it's like, wow, we won. Like, this is amazing. We're going to celebrate this. But I feel like for the Jets this year specifically, it's like they they all agree that there's something much bigger at hand than one win every week. Yeah. And I and, get and, that sense. Yeah. And, and really the biggest the biggest piece of this game was they didn't turn the ball over. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not going to kill the Jets for, for a strip sack. There's no defense for that. But to play as clean as they did, because really, like, let's say Zach Wilson throws two picks or, or he loses a fumble and throws one. They don't win this game. Yeah, no, and that is that is the margin of error. Because now, I guess the next thing we can get into is, do you? we've said the defense is elite, but where do you sit with the team as a whole? And I'll, I'll go first since I, I yep. wanted to bridge this. But I think that the Jets are still in a point where their margin for error because their offense is still, yes, they can run the ball when they want to, They have Garrett Wilson, who's a weapon. Zach Wilson can make any throw, really. But I still think that the gap between how elite their defense is and how good their offense is makes that margin for – or how not good their offense is – makes that margin for error so small that I don't think I can put them in that, like, elite team category. They're a good team. I agree. I I just don't think – because I heard – I was listening – I forget what talking head it was, but the the question was, are the Jets elite? And – my my idea is when a team comes to play you or when even when you go to play a team, right, are they fearful of you? And I still don't think that people are fearful of the Jets. Maybe the defense, but as a whole, I don't think they're they're as feared as elite teams in the league. So I wouldn't oh, no. put them there I, yet. I, I agree with that, but I do think that like after beating the Bills, that kind of puts the league on notice. Like this isn't this isn't a team that you can go into and take lightly or walk all over. The Jets aren't gonna lie down for anyone. Yeah, and they but, can't with through the defense that good. Yeah, and no, but you're right. I mean, listen, so, some of these AFC offenses, and the Jets just beat probably the best one. I get it. But, I mean, you, you're not going to be able to beat a lot of these really high-powered Kansas City-like offenses with, with what the Jets have on offense, you know, as it currently stands. But, um, I, I mean, they have the, they have the talent. It's kind of just, is Zach Wilson ever going to be the guy that is going to throw for 250 and, and really, like, lead the offense as opposed to be a passenger in it? Well, okay, so I've thought about this a lot because I've been a Zach Wilson proponent for since he's been in the league. I, I'm a big fan of his. Even I think his mistakes are very fixable. We, we went over that in previous podcasts, whatever. But wouldn't you agree that, to an extent, Jalen Hurts isn't like a great passer? He can run the ball. He can make plays with his legs, and he's a playmaker. But he, you can – and I'm not saying I necessarily 100% agree with this, but I think the case can be made that even Jalen Hurts is a passenger. No, but but he does like he does some things, man. That Zach Wilson just isn't equipped to do because you know he's not a a Lamar Jackson or a Jalen Hurts or even I mean a Justin Fields who looked really good. Let me well, ask you this: Would you right now? Would you right now for the Jets? 
would you give away Wilson if it meant that you could have Justin Fields instead? Mm, that's tough. I don't, because I don't think I would. He's not, Fields is definitely on the upside. I'm a big fan. I literally texted in our group chat that I, I root for the Bears so hard for no reason. And I don't know if I put him there yet because, again, I think I think Fields, Herbert. Well, put him where? Put him where? I'm only comparing him to Zach Wilson. Put, I'm not put him over him to, Zach Wilson. I'm saying, yeah, like, I guess so I, agree I, with that. I don't think I don't think I would like a one for one trade. I don't think I would. But what I will say is that my answer, I guess my quick answer is no. But if I really want to get into the X's and O's, I think the Jets offense with Brees Hall and Justin Fields in the backfield is dangerous. Like, yeah, I agree. That would be that, that read option RPO with even Garrett Wilson. I mean, Elijah Moore, if he's even still on the team, that, that could be a good offense, but let's not even get into the hypotheticals. I think the big thing and what I remember going back to the Patriot game that I had such conviction that the Jets would win. I think that you can win football games with moderate quarterback play and good defense. And I think this week was just a a solid proof of that. No, I agree with you. But if we're ever going to talk about them getting into that elite category, the quarterback play is going to have to be there, obviously. Well, I thought, again, I still don't, maybe like elite in terms of like elite offenses and just elite all overall teams, but look what the Titans just did last night against the Chiefs. They just dominated, they have Derrick Henry, obviously, but they dominated the ground, dominated time possession, and they went to overtime with the Chiefs. No, That's yeah, a, I, I know. With their backup quarterback. I agree. Yeah, so, no, they looked good. And they're, they're what? I think they're five and four now, or are they six and I'm not sure what the Titans are, but there there are five. I think they had five wins last night, so I think they're five and four, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I like five that. and three, five and three. Oh, so they must have had their bye. Okay, so I just think that that is a recipe for a team to. It almost like allows Zach Wilson to grow at his own rate too. It's like, yeah, like we're at first we're not going to rely on you for anything, but then. Let's let's see you grow. Let's let's see you throw for two hundred yards here, and then the next game you throw for three hundred. Get gradually better, and then maybe one game we you do win us a game by throwing for three hundred yards and three touchdowns. You know, I, no, just I think agree. That I'm not a, rushing I, him. I, yeah, well, that's but you're not rushing him now because the Jets won. But I think a lot of Jet fans get into the when the Jets lose. It's like I mean, well, think about it. they just lost to the Patriots because of Zach Wilson, very arguably, and it's like oh, this guy's not the guy. Blah blah blah. Like. Relax. I think the problem with that game was strictly the game plan. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, but like, listen, I'll say this. I think year three, that's when you're going to have to see it. Because like, there's going to come a time if the Jets are ever going to win big games in December or maybe even January, that you're going to have to have a quarterback that's going to throw you back into a game. Yeah, but that doesn't mean change anything for it. Not right now, no. And I think he'll come into his own on his own slowly, and I, I'm fine with that. But I do think that next year, you're probably you're going to want to see it. I I will want to see it, but I'd rather see the Jets just win. So to me, I I think I'm at a point where previously, or I guess in the preseason, I was saying how this is just a development year for the team. I want to see the guys get better in, in every asset of the game, and they have. But I think now you find yourself at six and three, just beat the Bills going into your bye. And now you kind of have to put this Zach Wilson development on the back burner and just whatever your most winningest strategy is, that's what you need to deploy every week. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm with you and I'm as patient as you, but I, I, and I, I don't disagree with your point about how you don't really need a, a fantastic quarterback in the NFL, but I, I like, I, that's where I kind of, you lose me a little bit. Like, I don't really disagree, but I, I mean, 
when do we ever see a team win at all without a great quarterback? And don't let me get ahead of myself. I'm not, I'm not, you know, calling for a jet Super Bowl or anything yet. I just mean, if you're going to be in that upper echelon, I think you do kind of need a, a great quarterback. Well, and you're right. I mean, one who's the last quarterback that won that wasn't great. Who? I can't think of one. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say like Peyton Manning wasn't great in the Super Bowl, but he's yeah. just Peyton Manning. Um, but I think everyone's high on the Jets around the league. Jet fans. I even see like giant fans that are happy about the Jets, which is like yeah. it's a great time to be a New York football fan. Giants were on their bye uh, this week, so no no giant news here, but. The big story is just the Jets. It, the, the, the talk of the town. There's literally nothing really else going on. They thank, thankfully they won because it would have been miserable if the Jets won or Jets lost, and then this they ha- still had all the Kyrie Irving situation, and yeah. the, the Knicks lose would probably lose to the Celtics tonight, which we'll get yeah. into. But I loved it could have been uh, bad. I loved the uh, the fake on on the punt there that that trickery to keep the ball moving. Yeah, I like that call too. I will say t- that there are still some like. Throw, there's some throws that Zach Wilson makes that I don't necessarily like, obviously. And again, we I'm acknowledging that it's still development for Zach Wilson. But I think there's also some – sometimes they get a little too cute with their play calling. And I think – and it, it isn't, didn't really come back to burn them yesterday, but like that, that pass option where Garrett Wilson ended up fumbling and then recovering, which ultimately ended up almost being the game right there. Why are you doing that? Why, like, yeah. Wouldn't you rather have – like Zach Wilson has proven that if there's anything that he's really good at already, it's getting out, being outside the pocket and making a throw in the run and making people miss in the open field. So why are you letting Garrett Wilson do that? Let Zach Wilson do that. You know, like just yeah. let a bootleg. You don't have to get fancy and give your wide receiver the ball. It's almost like when you do that, you're taking away. You don't have your actual quarterback on the outside of the pocket, and now you're you're taking away your best receiver from the route progression. <laughs> so yeah. it's like a double negative. Yeah. So, what was the point for you yesterday when you were really like the Jets are the Jets are going to win this game? Like for me, it really wasn't even until the end of the fourth quarter there when Bryce Huff got that strip sack and cost the Bills like nineteen yards or whatever it was. That's when I was like, oh my god, they're this they're going to win this game. I really didn't actually see them winning until that when there was seconds on the clock. I'll be truthful to you, and this just might be my Jet me being a Jet fan for a long time now, I did not believe they won that game until about like five minutes after it ended. <laughs> Literally, I just yeah. I just did not. I thought something was going to happen. The, the freaking sky cam. Like the Jets, <laughs> the, the plan was perfect. They played as close to perfect football as you, you could, honestly. They, especially against a team like that. That's. Do you think that's probably the worst game the Bills will play this year? Yeah. Probably, but I I don't even want to say that because it takes away credit from the Jets and what they did defensively. Well, really, no, but like, I, I'm not saying they played poorly. I shouldn't have said it that way. I'm saying like their their performance was poor due to the Jets' defense. Yeah. Oh and man, I, it brought it brought a it brought a, a happy tear to my eye to just hear how disappointed Josh Allen sounded after the game. Oh, yeah, it well, felt I'm so a Josh good. Allen. I like Josh Allen. I've liked him for. I'm not a saying long time. I hate him. It just it felt nice for the Jets to do that to, to this Bills team. It really did. Well, again, and we we started with this a little bit, but looking forward, I think I'll be happier when I, I hear Bill Belichick disappointed about a Jet loss in two weeks. Yeah, um, but listen, no one thought the Jets were going to be here, right? But at the same time, a lot of these teams that are coming up for the Jets, like maybe the Seahawks, maybe even the Bears, they still have a lot of these teams on their radar moving forward. Um, I feel great about this win. 
Um, I, I, I like them to, I like them to go to Foxborough and, and win a game like that. But oh, and the Vikings, who thought they were going to be seven and one? That's another team the Jets are going to have to see. So this is, it's not going to get easier. No, it doesn't get easy. Well, they have a little bit of a soft spot in their schedule with the Lions and the Jaguars back to back weeks. Yeah. Um, which is nice. And then I know I've heard a lot of people saying, uh, Seattle regression, Seattle regression. Also another team six and three that is just, Every week, just fighting for respect from people around the world, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but if you believe in a Seattle regression and that they're they're playing over their heads, then the Jets have Lions, Jaguars, Seahawks. One, two, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I do believe in that. I think they're just a really well coached, good football team. See, this is the, I have not an issue with you, but an issue with a lot of people because you know me, right? I was I'm still a big Russell Wilson fan, and I was a huge Russell Wilson fan when he was in Seattle. And everyone said, every single person, Pete Carroll sucks. Pete Carroll's bad. Pete Carroll's this. Ever since they made it, ever since they made it to the Super Bowl, and, and it was Pete Carroll's. I, did you know? I didn't know if you knew this, but when Russell Wilson threw that interception to end the the game, it was actually Pete Carroll under the helmet because that's how he gets treated. He literally gets treated like he lost them that Super Bowl, and I, just like I, people around the league just don't put enough respect on his name. I knew he was a good coach. I don't think I, was I ever about the team. Yeah, I don't think I ever thought he wasn't a great coach. No, I mean, because there were the years, like the last like couple of years of Russell Wilson there, his job, he, he was definitely on a little bit of the hot seat, I feel like. Well, maybe, but regardless, I mean, here we are. They're, they're a good football team. So, yeah, listen, I, I mean, mean, good for him. Yeah, but, but after winning uh, this game, after winning against this Buffalo Bill team, I mean, you have to be thinking like meaningful games by Christmas. Like they could win 10 games. I mean, the meaningful game of Christmas is the Jaguars, the 22nd, the Thursday right before Christmas. Yeah. So you're, is that going to be a meaningful game? Yeah. Even if the Jets, let's just look. Even if they go lose, they lose three, and then they win against the Lions to get to seven and six, then they get to the Jaguars, and that'll, that could put them at eight and six for the win. Yeah. Just, I mean, like, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Like I said, I, I really don't feel like looking two weeks ahead yet at that Patriot game, but man, I, I'm going to be up for that game. I'm going to be yeah. excited for that one. Well, I hope you're up. It's one o'clock. So that'd be a bit concerning if you weren't up okay. at one o'clock. All right. Um, anything else you want to say about this game? I think we've, we've gotten into it. Uh, one stat that I didn't get to mention that uh, was kind of interesting to me this week, Zach Wilson had his lowest, um, Average hold time, meaning like from time he gets a snap yeah, to throw, almost by almost by a whole second, two point three one seconds on average, uh, which is what you want to see. That's the formula, just yeah. that. Whether and that's he, he a quick throw or yeah, and it's again baby steps, progress. Everyone's happy here with the Jets. Um, what else did you feel like around the league? I feel like this was a very strange week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd like to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, man. Oh but my goodness! The I mean, yours. We, we did find out the other day that they were in the market. I mean, they they tried to bring in a Darren Waller and apparently a, a other uh, noteworthy wideouts and couldn't do it. But I mean, those three interceptions and two of them being in the red zone, one of them on fourth down. Like they, I I think that they still think that they're a top flight team. Yeah, and they, and they do. And actually, did you see the report that they were like very very close to getting Claypool? Darren Waller at the deadline. Did you see that? That's what I just said, but yeah, sure. Oh, sorry, I was literally <laughs> reading something. Sorry. No, you're good. But but yeah, I mean, um, they, I think I mean they're they're done. By the way, like they're they're finished. I don't know. I I think that 
apparently there's been like the the internal struggle of like who wants to run the offense and who the offense should be like going through or making the calls. I think that Aaron Rodgers should win that debate, and I until I see that that they're just totally defeated, which I still don't see. I I, I find it hard to rule them out, to be honest. I know yeah, that the Lions are bad. This was an embarrassing loss, but it really was. I I just think that you know I, I'm still going to rest on. Uh, did they have their bye yet? The Packers. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Well, I I don't know if they have, but anyway. I can just see them being a team that rattles off three thirty-five seven wins, and and then they're back in the conversation. And everyone's well, when you talk about the power struggle of the offense, you know who the leading rusher was for Green Bay yesterday? Is it Rodgers? It's Rodgers. Yeah. I, well, I think Aaron Jones did get hurt, I believe, but AJ Dillon. Can I just say something? And we don't get into fantasy football, but. I have never seen a running back more hyped up for an actual, like, worse on-field player than A.J. Dillon. I think he's just pe- really bad at football. Yeah, Eddie Lacy at Jace. He, he's literally Eddie Lacy 2.0. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, every time they give him the ball, it's like he's running at half speed. Like, you ever play Madden and your guys get tired? It looks yeah. like he's tired. Like, yeah. It's one thing to see, like, a big running back just bowling over guys. But, I mean, just... I'm I'm barely watching the Packers, right? Like I'm, they're on at one o'clock, right? So I'm watching them the same time as the Jets, and I'm even every time I look at their game, I'm saying that was a stupid play call. Why did the heck yeah. did they just do that? What is yeah. going on? Like I think they had the ball like uh, second and goal or first and goal at like the two, and they had like four straight passes and didn't and didn't score. How yeah. does that happen? I know, and and also I mean speaking of the Packers and. Uh, Aaron Rodgers perhaps being washed up. That Bucks Rams game was so ugly. Yeah, and it's crazy because simultaneously we're seeing Seahawks Cardinals at the same time. And three years ago, if you would have said that one of these games was a shootout, no one would have said it was the Seahawks and the Cardinals. That everyone would have said it was the Rams against the the Bucks. Yeah, total opposite. Yeah, they they don't look good. Yeah, Tom Brady I mean, threw the ball fifty eight times. That Scotty Miller drop is one of the worst I've ever seen. That was that was bad. Zone. They they win the game, but it's almost like that's a game where I think that's like a moral loss for both teams because both of them didn't look good. Agree. They, yeah. they, the the Bucks are happy they got away with a win, but are they happy with their performance? You, you can't be. No, nope. just cannot be. Leonard Ford, they have a non existent running game. And their receivers all look like shells of themselves. Yeah, I'm trying to and think of what else. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else we might want to touch on. I mean, the Colts are just flat out um, uh, tanking. That, they hired Jeff Saturday. That was pretty cool. Like, did you see that? He's going to be the yeah. interim head coach. Yeah. And by the way, Frank Reich is out uh, as of this morning. Oh yeah, that should have been the first thing I said. But yeah. Uh, and they hired Jeff Saturday to be the interim. I think I even saw like. Apparently, like, I, I didn't even read the full post, but, like, someone said, I don't think Jeff Saturday really knew this was even going to happen. <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> called him was like, hey, like, we need to, we need you to coach a terrible team for the next six weeks or seven weeks or whatever. Yeah. He's like, okay, cool. I'm in. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, look, cool for them. That That's literally the equivalent of, like, I mean, what's, like, the Jet equivalent of that? If they fired Sala and, and brought in, like, I don't know, Mangold. Jet legend, Man- Nick Mangold to come coach would, the team. That would be the, the clear uh, blue. 
Yeah, that would be the equivalent. Uh, Bears, just Bears, Dolphins, uh, Bears Dolphins was a lot of fun. Justin Fields runs for uh, more yards than any quarterback in any game in NFL history with 178. Threw for three touchdowns. Regular too. season, regular season. Is there a playoff performance where someone... Kaepernick. How many yards was that? I think it was like 200. Was that against Green Bay? It was... I'm not sure, but it was that crazy year that the crazy postseason he had. I actually... Yeah. Is, you're right about the regular season, but... Funny enough, I was actually listening to the, uh, some podcast this morning, and they said that stat, and the same kind of thing happened, where the person presenting said, oh, he rushed for the most of any quarterback game ever, and the person was like, no, 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 regular season. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was a great game, uh, 35-32 Dolphins, and just a couple weeks ago, we were saying, hey, the Bears might be the worst team in the NFL, and they said, oh, hold on for a minute, no, we're not. Um, oh, I want to talk about my sniff that, that uh, didn't hit. I don't have moral victories in sniffs. I forget it was what the it Falcons. was. It was the Falcons. I don't have moral victories in sniffs, right? Okay. Because I, I don't believe in moral victories, but the Falcons, I would take the Falcons again. I say that all the time. They were winning. They were dominating that game. And the Chargers, just as lucky as the Bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I remember being upset about that because I, I had the Chargers. And for like three quarters, I was really just frustrated. And then I guess the last thing I want to end on, there were four games yesterday that ended 20 to 17. So that would be Chargers, Falcons. That would be Jets, Bills. That would be uh, the Vikings over the Commanders, which was an interesting game. And uh, the Chiefs over the Titans on Sunday night. So if, if I'm a betting man, and I guess this will be our segue to the preview of Monday Night Football. If I was a betting man, I'm taking the Ravens 20 to 17 tonight. Yeah, and I I do like we said on the on the last show. I, I love that one and a half. I mean, listen, I'll probably take them out right, um, just because because I've been bitten too many times by that snake. But um, yeah, I mean, not a great game we got tonight, but it's always fun to watch Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews is going to be out, and uh, yay, we get to watch some Andy Dalton. So I love me some Monday Night Andy Dalton. Yep, my yep. favorite. Um, what do you want to move over to next? Um, let's get into the New York Mets and Edwin Diaz of it all. Almost lost it. I had to reach back, back and lock it. Yeah. You almost got me. I had to reach back, back and lock it. Yeah. You almost, you almost. Over to baseball now. The New York Mets, I think to no one's surprise, Agreeing on a deal with Edwin Diaz, five years, $102 million. There's an opt-out and a full no-trade clause with a six-year option. But the best closer in baseball is staying with the Mets. And I don't think it's even close to say anyone else is even in the same stratosphere as him, closer-wise. And I think what we can learn from the postseason is there is nothing more beneficial than having a stud closer in the playoffs in the regular season, obviously at the end of the game. But this this was a move that I think a lot of Met fans expected. Um, and I think it is a, a, the first positive move of what could be a very long and, uh, I guess, full offseason for the Mets. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a move they had to make. And at the end of the day, it's, it's record-setting. It's the most money um, that any relief pitcher has ever gotten. So, I mean... It, but yeah, it, you're right. It's a move they had to make, and the biggest issue is still going to be they don't they don't know what the the bridge is going to be to Edwin Diaz. And if you look at the 
the relief pitcher market, there's not a lot of great pitchers on there. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't really got into the relief pitcher market myself, but I have heard that other than like there's a lot of position players in this free agent market and some starting pitching, but there I have heard that the relief is a little little weak there. Yeah. So again, if you're I mean, maybe there's a maybe there's a Zach Eflin, and you know, there's a Brad Hand out there. There's Will Harris. There's Zach Britton. Uh, you know, Knebel's out there. You can there. build a good. You can build a uh, decent bullpen. But, you could. And that's, where but do you I think mean, that? Whenever one. Go ahead. Go ahead. You where go. do you think that this positions the Mets in terms of not only their bullpen and what they're going to do in the future, but more specifically towards a Jacob Degrom resigning or lack thereof. So I, I don't know that this signing actually affects the DeGrom signing at all. But what I will say is, what is every fan's favorite thing to say? It's not my money. Why do you care? It's not my... Listen, I get all that. But Steve Cohen has already come out and said he's not going to spend like a total drunken sailor. And there's something called, you know, like respect among the owners. So it, he's not going to spend as much money as you would if you had an endless bank account, right? So it, you have to sort of pay attention to the allocation a little bit. So if they bring Diaz back and they bring DeGrom back for what we think he wants, which is going to be, uh, you know, an AAV over Scherzer, I really don't know how many other, you know, like uh, new, like real studs you're going to, you're going to bring in here. Cause that's a lot of money allocated to those, those pitchers. And then you have Chris Bassett today who declines his uh, $19 million option. And he was probably the most consistent pitcher in that Met rotation. So you don't have him anymore. If you're going to retain him, you're going to have to do it on the open market. So you gave Edwin Diaz a lot of money. I would be fine if you want to bring back Chris Bassett and then you want to delve into that uh, relief pitching open market a little bit and just let DeGrom walk. And I kind of think that's what the Mets are going to do. Um, And again, I don't know if DeGrom even wants to be here, but I I would have no problem with that because he's only going to spend as much as he's going to spend. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 100% because... I hear the same thing with the on the Yankees side of things with Aaron Judge. You know, just give him the money. The, the Steinbrenners are rich. The Steinbrenners are billionaires. Steve Cohen's the richest guy in baseball. Give him whatever he wants. It's silly to say that because clearly there is a much more to winning baseball than just the free agents you bring in. Because the Dodgers yep. and the Yankees, last time I checked, were not Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, one, two, three payroll. Neither of them won the World Series. So. Well, the Dodgers, the Dodgers won a fluky World Series. Well, I mean, I'm saying for this year more specifically. But, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. N- who won the World Series? The Phillies? Who, they got a guy, right? They got Bryce Harper, and they they got Zach Wheeler, former Met, who the Mets would definitely, definitely value and use now. Um, but I just think that for the Mets, they... Well, they didn't. They didn't win the World Series. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm saying they, yeah. they still... They still yeah, they got that. And who's to say, maybe Zach Wheeler is in the rotation. Maybe the Mets do go to the World Series. Yeah. It's, mean, it's obviously very loosey-goosey, but... They couldn't hit the broad side yeah. of a barn, but, you if, know. I don't know if Zach Wheeler could hit. What's his uh, lifetime batting average as a Met? Do you know off the top of your head? No, obviously I don't know that off the top <laughs> okay, of my head. Just a test. But um, yeah. there are guys, there are other guys available, like a Carlos Rodon, who has been linked a lot to the Yankees. I've seen him in a lot of Yankee circles, but... I feel like he's a guy that the Mets would definitely be of interest to if DeGrom walks as well. And then, I mean, as far as we get the pitching, has been a struggle all year. Uh, there are more specifically their relief help. But now you move into the field, guys like Nimmo. You have uh, two pretty abysmal catchers. Um, and then yep. I, I guess what are well, the holes well, are there? Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what Alvarez is going to be. Yes, but as of right now, 
your your catcher, I think, is up in the air for next year. Uh, yeah, I, so I would agree. Maybe maybe that's a route they they can go. Um, I'm gonna assume a lot of Met fans and yourself will want Nimmo back. Yeah, you would have to. You would have to want but him. Now back. that takes away from. Now, do you want him back at the expense of another bullpen arm or two? I'm not sure. I mean, it didn't work out last season, so I, I'm really. Do not you sure. almost feel like Degrom and Nimmo kind of go hand in hand in that if Degrom stays, Nimmo's gone. If Nimmo stays, Degrom's gone. I don't know because I'm not really sure what Nimmo's going to get. I just think that Degrom's going to get a lot of money, and it's going to be at the expense of someone or something. I, I couldn't tell you who. Well, how about this? What if the Mets do like a little cheeky sign and trade where they sign Degrom and then ship him to Los Angeles and get Shohei Otani? Yeah, I mean, I'd be down. <laughs> you would I'd be. be down. You would be though. Like, but, so I'm really. That's obviously a, a very hypothetical situation, but you would take. You you want Degrom out of here if it means that you can fulfill him with a guy at, to Otani's level, Rodon's level. Like you think that he would immediately have to be filled with someone of that caliber. Yeah, because listen, here's the thing: like I, Degrom, uh, when he's when he's right, I would say he's still probably the best pitcher in the major leagues, right? Probably, but I mean. I could see a world where the Mets get out of this this Degrom nonsense, and then like in two years we go, man, the Mets really got out at a good time. This is not a young pitcher. I think he's just, I think he's younger. I mean, I think he's a couple of months older or younger than Clayton Kershaw. He's not a, a, a spring yeah, no, chicken. He, it's it's a lot of people think that he's he's like an athlete. He's he doesn't look old. Like he's not like getting putting on weight or anything. He's just like a thin, like scrawny guy. Like you see some of these older pitchers, they get a little bigger, like. They start to look a little more uh, rounded, I guess you can say. But I don't feel like that's the case with DeGrom. It's literally just all, I think, all his injuries and his problems come with the nature of how he pitches, I think. Yeah, and and we could talk all day about whether that's sustainable or whether that's the reason it's causing these injuries. But he, he's already shown you that he's injury prone. And he didn't have a prove-it year like Aaron Judge to show you that he wasn't. The guy missed like 70% of the season. So now looking, looking at the track record of... Uh, we'll we'll stick to just pitchers, starting pitchers that the Mets have had to make a tough decision on, whether that be re-signing, calling up, or trading. Where do you where's your confidence level in the organization? I guess to make the right call here, because you said you might you can see yourself where oh yeah the Mets got rid of him at the right time, but where do you think like your confidence is that they're gonna do the right thing? Well, track level wise, I mean. I, I or track record wise, I can't feel great about watching Zach Wheeler dominate um, an hour and a half down the road, down the turnpike in Philadelphia. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, and who's the pitcher in, uh, in Seattle, Paul Seawald, who's yeah, a monster really, now for some reason. Perfect and, on the Mets. Oh, oh my God. That would have yeah. been the bridge yeah, right there. So, yeah. But I mean, again, it's, it's a new, uh, new regime with the Mets. So I'm not sure. I honestly, the thing with DeGrom is I feel like, uh, I don't think there's really a way that you lose. Because, like we said, he might be the best pitcher on the planet. But if you get rid of him now, that's you're you're gonna ha- you're gonna spend that money that would have went to Degrom somewhere else. I, I don't know. I really, we both think the biggest issue for the Mets is the pen, right? So they're that's if they can fix that, and then maybe keep a Nimmo, and if it comes at the expense of a Degrom, and I'd like to see Bassett back, I would consider that a win. So you're saying Nimmo plus like B B plus level uh, reliever is way better than DeGrom minus reliever and Nimmo in your eyes. 
Yeah, I think so. Especially if you can retain Bassett. But I think Nimmo's big because it's not easy to find good center fielders. And I don't know that Starling Marte is in a position to be asked to play center field next season. So that brings me to, I guess, my transition here of how realistic would you think that Aaron Judge would be for the Mets if they come out and say that we're not re-signing Jacob deGrom? I feel like all that we've heard is that the Mets just won't do it and they won't go into a bidding war with the Yankees. Listen, I'm sure they'll check in. And we've talked about this before. I really do think there is something to like Steve Cohen getting the Yankee vote uh, to join that owner fraternity. And there was, there's probably a level of respect there to say, I'm not just going to go outspend and steal Aaron Judge away from you guys. I, I don't, I just don't know that the Mets are going to get into that, that. That would be I something. I think there's something real to that. Maybe it wasn't a real conversation or maybe it wasn't like a, a thing that they both shook on, but I think there's something to the, that. The uh, metaphorical handshake you're saying. Okay. I, yeah. I mean, I see it, but at the same time, Steve Cohen is a businessman. And what's one thing about business? No love lost. Uh, so if nope. the, if the, I think if the Mets see the opportunity where, you know, let's say Nimmo gets a great contract somewhere else and he goes somewhere else. And then let's say DeGrom gets a great contract somewhere else. And now they're like, well, shit, we have about, you know, we have a lot of money to play with here. Let's go crazy real quick. I think Aaron and just like the fact of the way he plays literally between the lines. I think he makes so much sense for the Mets, to be quite honest. Yeah, but you and I are both kind of like where there's smoke, there's fire kind of guys, and everything we're hearing is that they just they don't seem to to be into going that route. So, so listen, what I what I love it, of course, but I don't know that. So, I how see true it. would you say that this statement is? Both New York teams will lose players that have will lose a guy who has been with the organization their entire career this offseason. Um, Meaning I would Judge say that. Well, yeah, and I guess if you want to throw Nimmo sure. in there. Yeah, I guess um, Nimmo too. Listen, I think the Mets definitely do at least one. I I think we both are sort of in the camp that Judge stays and he's going to listen to offers, but it would be foolish to think that there's not a possibility that San Francisco, who, I mean, look at all the, the stars they just lost. I mean, they got to be looking to fill seats. I mean, like Posey's gone, Bumgarner's gone. They're not the giants of old. So, I mean, they would probably be clamoring for an Aaron Judge. So I think it would be foolish to not be aware that there's a chance that they just throw crazy money at Aaron Judge and say, you know, come back closer to home. And then, and then he takes it. But I do, I do still believe that he wants to, he wants to test the open market to drive up the Yankee price. I think he wants to stay in New York. I think everyone thinks that, but I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that he does. Because I don't know how much he'd be willing to sacrifice. To well, stay. I think my stance the whole time has been I think he's it's just been the smart thing for him to do to bet on himself. And you're right. I agree with you in that I think that him listening to other offers is – it's almost like his stance has to be I want to stay here, but I also want to get paid a lot of money. So, like, I'm going to do what's best for that scenario to happen. And that's exactly what he's doing. And you can't blame the guy for it. You certainly can't blame him for betting on himself because, again – Totally is going to pay off this offseason. But for the Yankees, I think there are going to be a – it could be a very interesting offseason. If Aaron Judge walks, right, this could be a dark, dark offseason for the Yankees because I don't think – all there's big short stuff, Correa, Trey Turner. I don't think they're going to do that because they want to bring their kids up and they want to have the kids play short. 
They have multiple shortstops that can play the position at a major league level. And oh, do they trade Glaber? I think Anthony Rizzo is directly tied to Aaron Judge and his player option. Um, I so I think if Judge goes, Rizzo goes as well. So then you need to fill first base, who Ronald Guzman will most definitely not be the first baseman going into next year. Um, if he, I'm surprised if anyone even knows who that is or remembers who that was. He made, I think he started one game on a doubleheader this year um, for the Yankees at first base. But, uh, yeah, and then then you got guys like free agents. Ben Intendi's a free agent. I'd love to see a full season of Ben Intendi in Yankee Stadium. You know, and you can back me up here, I've been saying this for since he was a Red Sox that I've wanted to see Ben Intendi in a Yankee uniform. So – uh, yeah. The fact that he was got his season got cut short. I want to see DJ LeMahieu get healthy because then having DJ LeMahieu really opens up a lot of doors because he's very versatile and would would I could I can make the case for him being the starting third, second, or first baseman to begin the year next year. There's a case to be had yeah. everywhere. Yeah, so to have a guy like that is invaluable. Yep. Um, what I will say too is I think that uh, kind of tying the Yankees and the Mets together here. I would I would love Nimmo on the Yankees if Judge walked. Yeah, he I'd, he'd be great in that yeah, stadium. Lefty leadoff hitter uh, or to go with, but DJ two. I mean, having an order of Nimmo, Lemayhu, and Stan is not bad. Not not a bad one, two, three you got there. So um, we'll see. A, lo- a lot of the Yankees' problems, I think, are going to be they're losing a lot of guys in the bullpen. Britain's gone. Chapman's gone, and then they got guys like Mike King coming back from uh, surgery, Chad Green, uh, Ron Marinaccio. I mean, they have literally a whole bullpen. They have their whole A bullpen on IR, the IL, to end the year, which is, like, crazy. So I think the Yankees' bullpen is pretty solid in their eyes. They, the Yankees are – one thing the Yankees are always good at is always finding bullpen arms. I feel like that's, like, their cornerstone thing. Loise. Yeah, for some reason, they're all just Yeah, I mean, good. guys like Wandy Peralta. Wandy Peralta, people were begging for Wandy Peralta to come into a Yankee game in the postseason. That's crazy. Uh, like, you know, it'd be yeah. one thing for Aroldis Chapman or some big-ticket free agent to be the guy that you're looking for there, but, you know, they're looking for all the Yankee talk on even our podcast was, yeah, you got to go to Wandy here, and then you got to go to Loisega, and then maybe throw in Clay Holmes, who was an outcast in the Pirates just two years ago, and half of the season was the best relief pitcher in baseball. So... One thing the Yankees are very good at is finding relief arms, so their bullpen never is going to really concern me. Um, I would love to see – they brought back Severino. Uh, he had a club option that would say exercise, so Severino's back. So you're looking – That's a nice guy. Right now you're looking at a rotation of – if the season was tomorrow, it's Cole, Sevi or Cole, Nestor, Severino, um, Montas, who I think they still believe can can get around that curve. And I think it's a, I think I it's a good too. thing that he got his feet wet and he was he sucked as a Yankee so far, but yeah. I think it's a good thing. And I, I think I, um, my hopes are high for him as a Yankee going forward. But that being said, that fifth position could be Domingo, Clark Schmidt, or if you get a guy like Carlos Rodon, who I would absolutely love. And I think it makes a lot of sense for the Yankees to have him as that one, two with Cole. I mean, how good of a rotation is it now with Cole, Rodon, Nestor, and Seve? That's a one, that's a one through four that could all make a case to be a one. So yes. that that is a that is a scary rotation, I think. So not necessarily Rodone, but you know, even if they go out and make a trade, I think the Yankees again, just like their bullpen, their pitching evaluation, whether it's Matt Blake or I guess a lot of their front office, but they have they know what they're doing as far as pitching evaluation in the trade market and open market. So fully confident there. The buck stops and ends with Aaron Judge. 
and what they do with him. Yeah. Because uh, to be honest, if you don't sign him, you're kind of freeing up a lot of money and a lot of maneuverability there. Or maybe they just try and be the uh, like the Guardians, where they, they have a lot of these young kids that come up and with a guy like Stanton who, that's surrounded, and then they just have a dominant pitching staff that they're going to win these games 3 nothing, And maybe they're not the Bronx Bombers yeah, but- anymore. Yeah, but a team like Cleveland doesn't have the responsibility to please fans the way that the Yankees right. do. So I, I mean, if they if they were to lose Judge, uh, I mean, I can only imagine what they would have to do to just to even minimize. Well, the noise. I'm just it's, more so painting no a scenario it. of like how different this team could be next year without Aaron Judge. And the one thing yeah. I, I will say yep. that I know this, I, I like foresee this happening in the end of next year where the Yankees fall fat, flat on their face again. And they're going to sit at the podium and say, well, we, our biggest acquisition was getting Aaron judge in the off season, which is not an addition. Yeah. They always do this. Like, like they got him. Yeah. yeah. And he's good for the next couple of years, but like there's other things you need to do. Um, they, they just had their press conference or the end of the year press conference this week. Um, some notables that came out of that on my end, I thought were, or actually last week, sorry, but, uh, they, they, Aaron Boone is head over heels for Josh Donaldson. Uh, he said he was dumbfounded by the fact that he wasn't nominated for a gold glove, which I would be in the minority to say that I disagree with him, but albeit another, another argument. They love Isaiah Kiner Falefa, and I think their exact statement was we could see him being the starting shortstop next year, which is scary to a lot of Yankee fans. Um, I wouldn't hate IKF on the team. Definitely not. Maybe even as the third baseman, but uh, I think that with Peraza, Cabrera, and even a guy like Volpe, you know, breathing down his neck, what use is it to have a guy like IKF be your starting shortstop? Like, what's the point there? So yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a, and then Glaber, right? They tried to trade Glaber at the deadline. Uh, it clearly affected him right immediately after the deadline, and then he got hot at the end of the year. Um, so maybe he salvaged his Yankee career. Maybe you could even say, but I wouldn't be stunned to see them move Glaber for a pitcher. But I feel like we're at that we're at that yeah. spot every year with the Yankees, where it's like, yeah, that, that's like the second thing to look out for behind Judge is like what they do with Glaber because yeah, because he he's so strange because I feel like he's so his market or his his value is so volatile. Like he goes through these stretches where he doesn't look like he's played baseball before in his life, and it's like can't even play this guy. And then he goes through stretches where he looks like he could be a three hitter on a good team. So yep. he's very inconsistent, but I think the, I think the Yankees, my problem with Glaber and how they view the Yankees, I think that the Yankees see Glaber as like their baby, right? Like they love Glaber Torres because they, they pretty much hoodwinked the uh, Cubs through the Chapman trade and getting him for pretty much free when he was like the best prospect in all of baseball. So they yep. have a lot of, a lot of chips in his basket. I think so for them to move on from him would be a very monumental thing in the front office of the Yankee fans. Um, yeah. My, my last question for you about the Yankees is do you just happily go into next season and Clay Holmes is your closer or do you try to, do you try to investigate some options there to, to get a, a real closer in? And I'm, I'm not killing Clay Holmes. I mean, he was fantastic for half a year, but uh, no, see, I think that I actually, this might sound crazy to think about, but, Let's say, like, you took the postseason, right, and it was just an extension of the regular season, and all the games meant the same, right? Like, every every postseason series that was played was just an extension of the postseason. To be honest, I thought where the Yankees ended the season with all their injuries, 
if that was like in the middle of the year and they were still trying to figure out like what pieces to use, I thought they were in a good spot by doing that. And I think that over 162 games, even if you go into a year where you don't find your closer, you could find your closer in the 20th game. You could find your closer in the 100th game. As long as you have a closer by the 162nd game, that's all that matters, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. Because the Yankees, and it's not like the Yankees are where the Mets struggle is they have Diaz and no one else. I mean, I guess Adovino could make a case where, like, let me put it this way. If Edwin Diaz, God forbid, is out all of next year, right, What the Mets probably go to Adovino or Lugo probably be the closer, right? Yeah. And, yep. but, and other than that, there's really no one else that even has a case, right? But for the Yankees, there's guys, like I said, guys like Wandy, Clay, Loisaga, uh, Chad Green, Mike King, these guys can all make the case to be a closer. And I think that it's almost like an embarrassment of riches, but also at the same time, you could find yourself where you're as unfortunate where you don't have a closer. And then you're in a bullpen by committee, which the Yankees tried and ultimately failed this postseason. So my, my long-form answer is I'm okay with them going into the season and game one, Clay Holmes gets the call to be the closer, but I think it should be like a bit of a open tryout the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any other Yankee, uh, Yankee talk to add there? No, Boone and Boone and Cashner back. No surprise there. Anyone who's surprised you're just not yep. watching closely enough or listening closely enough. Uh, just being blunt here. Um, they weren't going anywhere. Yep. Um, someone, it was funny actually. Someone asked, like, I think it was like the last question of Cashman's press conference. Someone was like, Hey, Cash, just curious, like, do you still get, like, a paycheck? And it was like, <laughs> and it was funny because that was a funny question, but the way he answered it was like, oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> even look at my bank account. Like, they, they'll pay me yeah, if they pay yeah. me. It's whatever. Like, it, was, it wasn't snobby, but just, like, thinking about it after the fact, I was like, this guy. Like, <laughs> the question yeah. was ridiculous. Gave a All ridiculous right. answer, and the whole thing was just ridiculous. But um, yeah. that's all. Yeah. So, so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a lot of uh, it's gonna be a fun free agency here. There's gonna be a lot to talk about moving forward. Uh, Knicks in action tonight in Minnesota. Gonna be a tough game. They did fall to the Celtics the other night, but that 76er game we talked about our, our last time on here that was a riveting win for the Knicks. So, like we said, they're kind of still in purgatory. They'll win one, they'll lose one. Uh, tonight should be a good game. Uh, the Nets had a big win without uh, Kyrie Irving the other night. Yeah, and, and honestly, uh, yeah. We, we spoke about that, and we'll, we'll speak about it on later episodes, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see the uh, progression or regression of the Brooklyn Nets in the next couple of weeks, months even. Yep. All right. So uh, I got nothing else. You want to take us out yeah, of here? Yeah, that's all. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, I think it's cool to add in Go Jets, right? Go Jets. Uh, yeah. Definitely yeah, Go Jets. Um, go follow us on all of our socials. Interact with us. Um, thanks for listening. Peace out. <laughs>